Praise the Lord. It's good to see you this morning. Grab your Bibles. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Say a quick thanks to all those who helped. And with that 5K and half marathon in town, there's a bunch of pictures in the back of all of our folks participating in it. You can see Mrs. Tony Dahl with a hat on her head, looking all gangster. Amen. <laughs> no, praise the Lord for that. And good to, I think, how many, how many folks participated from our church, our group? A little more than a dozen. All right, very good. So had a good group of folks who participated, and that was great. That truly is good to have Adam Reed with us this morning. And Adam's going to be heading to California, the land of the fruits and the nuts. We're not sure why yet. No, he's being transferred out there for more schooling, if I'm correct. And so you pray for him. He'll be leaving Tuesday, Tuesday, to drive out there and take in a couple days. But you pray for him. It's good to see him this morning. And uh, praise the Lord for him serving our country in the armed forces. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's go ahead and stand together in reverence to the word of God. We're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verses 6 through 9, and then we're going to turn to one more passage in 1 Corinthians. But let's read Deuteronomy chapter 6 together. Verse number 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a lot of, a lot of truth there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll come back to that in a few moments, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want to pick up with verse number 8. You have to forgive me, my hearing is still off from the, the, the sinus infection I've got. Everything else has pretty much come back, but that is still giving me fits, so if my voice is loud or quiet, you'll know why. Just do the best you can to listen in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, by the way, it's come in very handy at home, so <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 8, it says, and last of all, he was seen of me also. As of one born out of due time, for I am not, uh, I'm sorry, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, and God, I thank you for this great group of people that has assembled together, Lord, assembled together because, very simply, the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I pray that today that not only would your word go forth, but, Lord, that it would also be received and that it would touch each and every heart as, as you purpose and as you see fit. Father, I ask that our hearts would be drawn closer to you, and, Father, I pray that the, the hurts and the burdens today, Lord, would be comforted. Lord, I pray for those that are dealing with difficult decisions. I pray that they would receive guidance. And Lord, I pray for those that today are, are, are not walking with you as they ought. I pray that today would be a day of repentance for them in their lives. Father, I pray most of all for those that in this room have never come to a place in their life where they've accepted the grace of God, the gift of Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. 
I pray that today, Lord, you touch each and every heart as you please. I ask for your Holy Spirit to have freedom and liberty in the hearts of these people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I got to thinking about this thought in the last couple of weeks and do my best to talk to you about it this morning. A couple of weeks ago when I was uh, preaching from the pulpit here last week, I was sick as a dog, so to speak, and did not have any voice. And uh, Brother Dahl and Brother Vallejo filled in wonderfully. But the last time we were together, we talked about the home. And today I, I want to talk about a principle that is really what I hope we teach to our following generations. I hope we teach it to our kids and to our grandkids as well as apply it to our own lives. Dealing with this world that we live in, I hear so often about Christians and especially Baptists that we are all thou shalt not. In fact, I've had some people tell me that they feel sorry for me, that I missed out. And I answer that. I understand what they're saying. I also know they don't have any clue how I feel about it. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a subject I'm glad I missed out. I'm glad I missed out. And I'm going to give you a few thoughts, and one of them is going to pertain to the following generation. For many of us in this room, it will not pertain to us. But it does pertain to the generation that follows. You see, I I come from a home um, where my parents were saved just shortly before I was born. Uh, my mom and dad did not grow up in Christian atmospheres. My, my father grew up and he was, a, he was in the Catholic church. My mother grew up and she was in the Lutheran church, but both of them had never been saved. They'd never come to a place in their lives where they had trusted Jesus Christ. My father was saved, if I'm not mistaken, out of the ministry of, of Campus Crusade for Christ. And as he was a, a young man on a college campus, he was given some literature and read that literature. And there had been questions that had been in his mind for years. And the Bible began to answer those questions and convict his heart and my father was saved married my mother and probably the best decision he ever made but married my mother and and my mom shortly thereafter they visited the Baptist church and the pastor came over and visited and my mom made a profession of faith and I grew up in a Christian home I I I I had a wonderful blessing from God by the grace of God today I look at the apostle Paul and by the grace of God he was what he was and by the grace of God today I am what I am I was very privileged growing up I grew up in a home without drugs and alcohol. Never, never knew what it was like to have that in the home. I grew up in a home where, where, where perversion and sexual perversion were not allowed. I grew up in a home that was strict. There were rules, and when rules were not followed, discipline was not only mentioned but administered. Amen. Yeah, yeah, you're not the one who had it administered to you. But I grew up in a home with principles, and, I grew up, and so I was very privileged. I was very blessed. And I know many of you in here today didn't have that same privilege and didn't have that same opportunity. But I do want to tell you today, folks, while you may not have had that privilege and while you may not have had that blessing, you have a wonderful opportunity staring you in front of you. You have a chance to take that and pass it to the next generation. See, you can give your kids a home that I had growing up. I'm very blessed. I'll not dispute that. I grew up in a home where my father was a Christian. I grew up in a home where my mother was a Christian, where they were godly. I saw my mother and my father many, many mornings on their knees 
praying for their family and for their friends and for those in their lives. I remember that impact in my heart. And as a young teenager, you don't get everything and you don't pay attention and you tend to be very selfish. But I, but I remember that, that impact in me. Mom and dad were praying for me and they loved me and they cared about me. And this principle that I'm going to talk about this morning, I'm glad I missed out. I am glad I missed out. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a few moments, but I want you to understand I'm not preaching at anybody today for their past. What I'm trying to get you to understand is, is where we go from this point forward. And that's what I desperately want you to understand. And I, folks, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I, I know that you, everybody in this room carries baggage. Some of us carry more baggage than others, yes? It's part of life. But what I want desperately to do is I want for my kids, okay, my children, I want them when they get to be 18, 19, 20, 25 years of age, I do not want them to be saddled with the baggage of a 50-year-old. In our culture today, our young people are carrying baggage that was never meant for them. And we are allowing it to infiltrate and permeate and pervert their lives. And I have no desire to see that passed on to my kids. I want my kids to grow up in the same atmosphere I had. I don't want them to have to worry about a dad that's an alcoholic. I don't want to them to have to worry about a, about a home that has drugs and narcotics brought into it, legal or illegal. I don't want to have to worry about a home where sin is not only allowed but is openly promoted. I don't want to have that for my children. And today as I talk about this principle, I'll say some things. And I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I'm not mad at you for your past. I'm not preaching at you today for your past. What I want to talk to you today is about the future and about the next generation. I'm glad I missed out. Firstly, I missed out on hell. If you're a born-again Christian today, I'm so glad I missed out on hell. Do you understand I don't have to worry about that anymore. See, my salvation is real and accounted for. My home is in heaven. I'm just a pilgrim here. You see, i got better things to look forward to. I'm glad I missed out on hell. Hell's fire today holds no fear for me. Hell's torment can never touch me. The untold pain and suffering that is hell for all eternity will never affect me. I'm glad I missed out. You see... There are those in our world today who say, oh, oh, you don't want to get religion. Now, they don't understand what religion is, okay? Religion is supposed to be salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what religion is. Pure religion and undefiled before the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows. See, real religion is found in the person of Christ. And if it's not found in the person of Christ, it's not real religion, okay? Just mark it down. we got a lot of people today who are religious, but they are religiously deceived, okay? They have bought into a system of principles that is not biblical. Brother Juan and I, the other night, we went out and knocked on some doors and shared the gospel with some people. And folks, it is sad to see how people are believing a bunch of man-made rules for their eternity. I'm sorry, but I don't want to go to heaven based on what some knucklehead said a hundred years ago. I, I don't. I don't, want to, I don't want to base my eternity on what some idiot believes. I want to base my eternity on the Word of God. And man, as I, we opened the Word of God, we talked to a lady for 45 minutes. She said, she said, I got some questions. Praise God, the Bible's got the answers. The Bible tells us what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is not. And praise God today, my salvation is not based on man's doctrine. It's not based on religion. It is based solely on the Word of God. And I, Do you know the only way I'll ever go to hell is if God lied? Do you get that? I mean, if God lied, then fooey on it. It's over anyway. I mean, if God lied, there's no point. But folks, praise God, He doesn't lie. 
All right? God cannot lie. God will not lie. God could not lie. And so today, I'm so glad I missed out on hell. I'm a born-again Christian. And I pray that today, you in this room are in the same boat that I am at the moment, that you're glad you missed out on hell. Amen? And by the way, if you are missing out on hell, it's because you've accepted Christ the Bible way. You came to Him as a sinner. You came to Him lost and undone. You came to Him without a Savior and in need of one. And God, in His infinite mercy and wisdom and knowledge, He had one. He sent Him 2,000 years ago. And Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. My sin's gone today because of Christ. And I'm glad I missed out on hell. I'm glad I missed out on hell. Boy, I wish we'd get a hold of that. Boy, some of us, we walk around, we're so down in the dumps. Man, you missed out on hell. I mean, you don't ever have to worry about if you're born again child of God. Would you, would you let go of who, what, whatever's bothering you? Would you let go of the problems you got and just rejoice for a moment today? You missed out on hell. If you trusted Christ, you missed out. You don't ever have to feel the threat of it again. Those fires can never touch your body. You are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works. I mean, you are saved. You missed out on hell. Secondly, I'm glad I missed out on the heartache. I'm not condemning anyone, but I'm preaching for the future generations to come. I'm glad I missed out on the heartache of immorality. I'm glad I missed out on the heartache of teenage drinking and drugging. Just talk, listening, I went down to the jail house this last Tuesday night, willingly. And I listened as one of our fellows who goes into the jail every week shared a part of his testimony. And he talked about his worldly friends. He talked, see, Brother Matt Wojo didn't grow up in a Christian home. He grew up in a home where, as a young man, he was introduced to alcohol, and he was introduced to marijuana, and he was introduced to all of those wicked, godless things, and he lived in that life for many years. He spent his whole teenage years and his early 20s living in that type of lifestyle. But the day came where Matt, by the grace of God, got his heart right. And he repented and he came to God and he started to get some things right in his life. And the night came where he tried to do something right. And because of that, his friends beat the living dickens out of him. I mean, they beat him so bad, they took him to the emergency room. His, the doctor told him that his head was swelled up worse than if he had been in a motorcycle accident without a helmet. His friends beat him that bad. I'm glad I missed out on that. I'm glad I missed out on that heartache. You say, oh, oh, those people really care about me. No, they don't. They only care about the next high. They only care about the next drink. They only care about what you can do for them. And as soon as you can't do it for them, they will take everything you have and leave you for dead. You might want to read Luke chapter 15 about the story of the prodigal son. As long as the prodigal had money, as long as the prodigal had, 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 had health, as long as the prodigal had some things about him, maybe he had some looks, maybe he had some charisma, but as soon as those things were gone, he was left for dead and he found himself in a hog pen, a Jew living in a hog pen, eating after the pigs. And I'm going to tell you something right now, it's not because he had some great friends in the world. They left him high and dry. I'm glad I missed out on that heartache. You see, no, those people really care about me. You wait till you got nothing to offer and then you come back and visit me. Then you come back and show me your friends. I'm going to tell you how you come back. You'll come back empty-handed. You always do. 
I'm glad I missed out on the heartache. I talk to parents on occasion, and they say, no, I, I've talked to my children, and if, if they're ever at a, at a party and, and they get drunk, they know to call me, and I'll pick them up. Can I tell you something? Don't take this in the wrong way. You're nuts. Now, number one, they should have no one else to call but you. Okay? <laughs> but secondly, they ought to be scared to death to make that phone call. I can tell you right now, if I'd ever gone to an underage or an overage drinking party and called my dad and said, Dad, I'm drunk, pick me up. My father would have said, Son, I'll be right there. <laughs> now, I know my father loves me. He also loves me enough to say, You're an idiot. And if you ever do this again, you will come home in the car, but it'll be in the trunk. Now, folks, I'm weary of this. We, we have become so permissive. Well, we know they're going to do No, no, they ought not to, okay? They ought not to live in immorality. Our, our young people don't have to have premarital sex. I'm weary of that. And, and, and just, just he, he, I said sex in church. It's okay. I, I, am, I am weary. Folks, you go back scripture-wise, and you start studying ancient cultures. Do you know that Greek culture was as vile and as promiscuous as the one we have in the United States of America here today? I mean, as perverse as you could imagine. And yet, oh, oh, the Bible's old-fashioned. No, it was written in the same type of culture we have today. Immorality was practiced far more openly in ancient Greece than it is in modern-day America. And we say, oh, that's old-fashioned principles. No, it was written in a time and a period when that garbage was going on. And it was sin then, and it's sin now. And I'm so glad that I missed out on the heartache. I, I, I don't ever have to worry about a phone call from some woman that says, uh, uh, I have a child and it's yours. I talked to a guy just a few weeks ago on the phone. Forty years after the fact, he got a phone call. Heaven help us. Because of some immorality, so, some garbage that he experienced as a young person living in the world. I'm so glad I missed out on the heartache. I'm talking about the next generation. Maybe you got some of that in your past, and maybe you have to deal with it, and that's the burden you have to carry. I understand that, but don't pass it on to the next generation and say, oh, oh just, 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 just have your fun. Okay. Do, you, do you understand the Bible teaches very plainly that whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap? So if you sow to the devil, you know what you're going to reap? To the devil. You sow wild oats, you know what you're going to reap? Wild oats, you say, oh, oh, but, but my kids would never do that. Seriously? I mean, do, do, do you remember what it's like to be a teenager? Do you know what it's like to be mentally deficient? Yes? A teenager? I'm sorry, teenagers, I'm insulting you this morning. You'll get over it. But folks, we got to come to a place in our lives where, you know what, and I'm going to say this, parents, say no. For heaven's sakes, just say no. They don't need to. It'll be all right. Little Johnny and Susie, their, their, their personality will pull through this terrible catastrophe. Oh, don't know if they're going to make it. They'll make it, for Pete's sakes. Folks, you know what the most inhibiting thing in people's lives is? And I'm serious. I counsel a lot of people. You know what it is? It's the past. It's the past. You know what you can't get over? Your past. 
I mean, yeah, we have a little bit of fear about the future. We have some struggles in the present day. But can I tell you where most of your baggage is? Ten years ago. You can't let go of what happened ten years ago. Well, for Pete's sakes, I don't want my kids, when they get to be 25 years old, having to deal with baggage from when they were 15. I'm going to try to be a parent that says, son, when you reach the age where you're finally an adult, about 47 years old, I want it to be that you don't have any baggage. I don't want you to have to walk around and try to figure out how you can make it. I want you to be able to walk in this life without that. Not I'm so glad I missed out on the heartache. It's time some godly parents starts taking a stand against the garbage of the world and, and just simply say no. Oh, you say, oh, you Baptists, you're against everything. No, 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 I, I'm, I'm about missing the heartache. I'm about missing the heartache. I get accused of being against technology. I'm not against technology. I'm not against cell phones. But if your kid's making calls you're unaware of and, not mo- and you're not monitoring them, you better believe I'm against it. They ought not to be texting at 2 a.m. in the morning. And if they do, I think you should have every right to read it. Who's paying for the cell phone? That's invasion of privacy. Your kids have no privacy, okay? I mean, I'm sorry. You ought to know everything. If, if you're paying the bills, mom and daddy, it's okay. All right? Now, when they get their own place and they pay for their own phone, then they can do whatever they cotton pick and want to. Until that point in time, I think it's mom and dad's right to say, um, I'm your parent. And since I'm paying for your bill, but, but my, my child pays for their own cell phone. Do they pay for the heat and the light and the rent? Oh, my child, they work very hard. They work four hours a week, and they make $27, and they pay for their own cell phone. And so I won't, oh, come on, get off it. Make them pay that in rent. Good lands. You say, oh, Pastor, you're against the Internet. I'm not against the Internet, but it better be monitored. I've talked with Christian young people in this church, in our Christian school, who got into internet pornography. Why? Mom and dad didn't monitor it. Our kids? Yeah, your kids. Got into illicit relationships online. Got into these chat rooms and talked about godless, perverse stuff. Why? Mom and dad didn't monitor it. We let them have their little iPods with all their little music, and those music are about drugs and sex and alcohol and suicide and perversion and anarchy, and we wonder why our kids are rebellious. I learned a long time ago, what you put in, you get out. And when you put in that garbage, you get that garbage out. You wonder why they defy you. It's because of what they are putting into their little minds. Folks, today we got to come to a place in our lives where we get a hold of this. See, I'm... I'm I'm so glad I missed out on the heartache. Did I do things wrong as a young person? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. But I'll tell you this, I was scared to death to do some of them because I knew if I got caught, my life would be a lot shorter. (laughs) I had a fear of my father. I had a fear of God. And I knew that if I pushed to a certain extent, they'd say no. Don't even think about it. I remember as a 19-year-old boy, I just turned 19, I was getting ready to go off to college. It was August. I had gone to a get-together at the pastor's house. Keep keep following me, okay? My father had said, be home by 11 o'clock. At 11.15, I received a phone call at the pastor's house from my father. And I got home in a hurry. When I got home as a 19-year-old young man, my father said, son, you're not using the car for nothing again. I was 19. I was a man. 
right? You know, I'm, I'm a man. 19-year-olds are idiots. It's like, get away from me, you little fly. I, it is. I, I'm 19. I, you know, you are. Okay, pull your pants up, okay? He said, son, you're not using the car again. Well, who do you think you are? I'm your father. <laughs> yes, sir. You say, well, well, that was mean of him. No, it taught me an important lesson. It taught me that when you are responsible and held accountable and you don't come through, there are consequences. Isn't that funny? That's how life works. If I'm not accountable and responsible for my actions, folks, do you know that I have to pay for that? Our court system has messed it up. We take our juveniles that break the law and 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 break the law, and, the law and, the law and nothing happens to them. Man, I've dealt with them. We have wonderful bus kids that come to church. We have some crazy ones. And there were a couple through the years I have dealt with as a young person, man. I remember eight, nine years old, they were already messing with the police. They were already getting picked up. They were already getting pulled in. And as they grew up, and as they grew up, and as they grew up, the, the court just said, oh, 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 they're, they're young. Yeah, they're also breaking the law. And... That one young man in particular that used to come to church every single Sunday, used to sit under the preaching of this church every single Sunday, used to be a kid that did what he wanted because mom and dad let him, because the court system let him. Today, he's in prison. Why? Because when he got 19, they treated him like an adult. Huh. And accountability and responsibility set in harshly. See, TVs have become our babysitters. Video games and iPods have become our children's best friend. Today, I'm glad I missed out on the heartache. I'm glad I missed out on the heartache. Thirdly, this morning, I'm glad I missed out on the hopelessness. I'm glad I missed out on the hopelessness. I said, number one, I'm glad I missed out on hell. I said, number two, I'm glad I missed out on the heartache. Number three, I'm glad I missed out on the hopelessness. No matter how rough this old world gets, I always have hope. My hope isn't in a fairy tale. It's not some fantasy. It's not some science fiction story. It's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, today you may be faced with struggles, but if you have Christ, you have hope. Hey, single moms and single dads, you, you couples that are going through marital struggles, you individuals that are fighting with your health, that you, you, you person that's struggling with your job, trying to make ends meet, I want to tell you something today. You have hope in Christ. See, I'm glad I missed out on the hopelessness. See, the Apostle Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul said, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I always have hope. I have hope. And friend, today, I'm so glad I missed out on the hopelessness. See, I, uh, the last two months I have watched as, as people in this congregation have struggled. I have watched as they have been hurt. I have watched as some have quit and walked away. I've watched as others have stayed in the battle. And I take that home with me. You see, I've dealt with people's hurts and their fears. I've dealt with their wrath. I weep because they weep. I hurt for they hurt. I love this congregation. I carry it home with me. You ask my wife. I take it home and that burden is heavy on my shoulders. And I battle with depression. I fight with it. But through it all, can I tell you something? I have hope. I have hope. See, Today, I'm so glad I missed out on hopelessness. I don't know how people do it. 
I don't know how people get up in the morning when they have no hope. I don't know how people go to work when they have no hope. I don't know how people walk back in the door at night when they don't have any hope. I don't, know, I don't care what befalls me. I don't care what struggle I deal with. I don't care if it's my health. I don't care if it's my family. I don't care if it's my church. I don't care if it's my life. I have hope. I have hope. No matter what happens to me, I have that. And folks, it's not, it's not just some little pipe dream I have. It's reality, man. It's based on Christ. And that hope, the Bible says, is a sure hope. It's a hope that fadeth not away. And I am so thankful that today, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I have not lost hope. I'm so glad I missed out on hopelessness. I get people and they come into my office and it breaks my heart because I look at people and they have no hope. And they're broken. And they're hurting. Part of them inside is just falling apart. And I try to get them to see Christ. Because that's hope. Say, Pastor, Pastor, but my, but my son or my daughter, they, they've done some terrible, but there's hope. My, my marriage, but there's hope. And I'm not saying that God's going to restore things the way you want them. I'm not going to say things are going to go back to the way you've always dreamed of. But I do promise you this, you do have hope. Because when this life is over, man, you are going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. You have hope. You say, but pastor, man, the walk is getting tough and the days are getting shorter and the nights seem like they're forever. But you have hope. You have hope. Today, I'm so glad I missed out on hopelessness. I look at our world and I see a world that hates life. You listen to the music of today. In the music of today, you listen to people sing it, and they hate life. Wealthy beyond the wildest imaginations, and they hate life. They, 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 just, they despise it. And I'm so glad that I missed out on hopelessness. You see, today I have a Savior. I have a Savior. Today I have my family, and today I have my church. Would you, my friend, make some decisions, not just for you, but also for those following you, the next generation? I hope one day my kids, my son and two daughters, stand up and say, I'm glad we missed out. I'm glad we missed out. I mean, what, what, what are you missing in the world? I, I wish, I wish I could bring some people back from history and talk to them. I would love to bring the prodigal son back and say, could you tell us what we missed? You know what he'd tell us? A father's love. So that's what I missed most. That's why I came home. <laughs> I had my money. I had my fun. I had my parties, I had my rioting, I had my drunkenness, I had my women. I had everything. <laughs> but I came home. And today I look out and folks, I see a great group of people. And I know, boy, I've been a part of this congregation. I'm 36 years old. I've been a part of this congregation over 30 years. As a child, as a teenager, as a troublemaker, and now as a pastor. And I understand a lot of where you came from. 
I understand a lot of your hurts. I understand a lot of your fails. I understand a lot of the past, the baggage you carry with you. But what I would beg you today to do, make sure you have Christ. Make sure you cling to Him for hope. But can I also say this? With that next generation, let's get rid of some of the heartache. Hey, when, when our kids stand in front of an altar and they say, till death do us part, and the preacher says, I now pronounce you man and wife and introduces you to the congregation of your friends and family that are there, make sure they're pure. Make sure they haven't been tainted by countless others. Make sure it's what it ought to be. Make sure they don't have to worry about going into drug and alcohol rehab. Oh, not my kids, your kids, our kids. I could, sit up here to, I could sit up here for the next hour and give you illustrations and examples of good godly people, preachers, whose kids went to the devil. You know why? Mama and daddy didn't want to stand up and say no. They didn't have time for it. And their kids caught the heartache. And today, their parents deal with heartbreak. Folks, I just want to challenge you today. Hey, I'm glad I missed out. Oh, you Christians! You Christians, we feel sorry for you. I don't feel sorry for you. I won't say it because it'll tick you off. But folks, I, I don't know what it's like to be drunk. I've never tasted a drip, drip of alcohol in my life. You know, i got no desire to do it. I've been in homes where the police have had to take down drunken individuals as I watch their children. I've got no desire to mess with that. I've never had a narcotic in my life. I'm on antibiotics right now, but I've never had a narcotic in my life. I haven't. I've never stuck a needle in my arm. I've never snorted anything up my nose. You say, oh, that's because you were good. No, I, I, was, I was a rebellious kid. You talk to my parents, I was one of the biggest jerks they ever knew. All right? I've mentioned this before, but my mother and father were considering not having any more children because of their first son. And my father looked at my mother and he said, Die. He said, The next one can't be any worse. <laughs> that's the gospel. Okay? That's a true story. I was a rebellious child. And I pushed where every other kid pushed. But I had some parents who said, no, you're not going to go there. And no, you're not going to spend time with that crowd. And no, you're not going to live in that manner. And no, you're not going to. And I got tired of hearing no. But I'll tell you today, I'm so glad I missed out. And I've dealt with people who went there. And I love them and I pray for them and I hurt with them and I weep for them. But I am so glad I missed out. And folks, I want us to grab hold of something. No, you can't change your past. You can't change your baggage. But you don't have to pass it on. And today, I really want to challenge you. You say, Pastor, my, my life, it's, it's tough. I know, and God will give you the strength, okay? Your weakness is where His strength is made perfect. It's okay. God is great, man. God is good. He'll, he will work in your life like nobody else. Paul's testimony wasn't crystal clear. But by the grace of God, he was what he was. And today, I want us to take those two passages I started off with. And I want you to understand, pass it and teach it to your children. You stand tall and you say, by the grace of God today, 
I am what I am. I'm so glad I missed out on hell. I'm so glad I missed out on the heartache. And lastly, I'm so glad I missed out on hopelessness. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Friend, I don't know if you're sitting in here and without a Savior. If you are, during the invitation, just, just please get my attention, and I'll have someone who knows the Bible very well answer your questions about Christ. Answer your questions about salvation, and you can be born again, and you can miss out on hell. Friend, if you're here today, and, and maybe you got some of that heartache in your past, I'm not I'm trying to beat you down. I'm trying to get you to pass something on to that next generation, to our kids and to our grandkids. And lastly today, I'm so glad I don't, I don't have to deal with hopelessness. I have a God that can do anything. Does he always do it my way? No, <laughs> he doesn't. But I still have a God that can do anything. And my friend today, I don't care where you're sitting at or what you're dealing with. I want you to grab hold of this principle. Hey, I'm glad I missed out. I'm glad I missed out. I trust you grabbed hold of it today. As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. How about it, friend? Folks, thanks for being here this morning. I hope we have a group of people who are going to be glad they missed out on some things in this life. Seems like Christians are almost intent on finding out what the world has to offer before we get it figured out. Let's just take God's word at it. Okay. <laughs> He'd like to spare us some from, from some problems. That's why he wrote this instruction book called The Bible. It's, it's a somewhat popular book, very familiar in most of our homes. Let's start reading it. Start learning it, and let's start following it. And one day I pray that your same testimony will be, hey, I'm glad I missed out on some things. I'm sure glad my kids, they missed out on a lot more than I did. I hope that's our, I hope that's our goal. And I hope that's what we're reaching for. 
Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Brother Leppert, you pray.